This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, hello everybody. My name is Robert Schaaf. Rulin is my wife. Um, for those of you who don't know us, um, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor or anything. I'm an engineer. I work here in Wolfish Bay as a civil engineer and yeah. Um, we've been here since 2014, been all around South Africa before that, um, been involved in a few pl- uh, church plants, Durban, and then here in Wolfish Bay, and we were in Shofa Stellenbosch and Tigerberg, and that's kind of our background, where we came from. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to be here today. Um, I'm glad that you are here, and I've, I've really, um, yeah, I'm just excited to dig into God's word today and just, you know, I, just, I was just thinking now while we were worshiping, we can actually just worship God. <laughs> you know, just being in God's presence is the thing that changes us. You know, it's, it's one touch of God's presence in our lives that, that makes a difference. Um, and you know, it's the, those encounters with God that, that speak so much more than, than, than words can ever speak, you know, when God touches our lives. So, yeah, I just want to thank the worship team as well to, yeah. It's just awesome just seeing your hearts are pure and just worshiping God. It's not, we're not performing or trying to put up a show or anything. Okay, so let's get into what we are speaking about today. <laughs> a God of miracles. That's an exciting thing for many of us. So I just want to start today and just make a statement and say that God is a God of miracles. God still does miracles today as he has done, always done in the past, as we read in the word, God is the God of miracles, okay? And, um, you know, I think many times we struggle with that, you know, sometimes <laughs> I think if I, if I say that today, it, it, might, it might not correspond with your heart today fully, you know. There's sometimes when we go through places, and I just want to say now from the beginning, this is not a psych obsession and say, ah, oh, you know, God's going to give you your miracle and, you know, that thing that you're trusting for, that house and that job and everything, God's going to come through for you. That's not what I'm going to speak about today. Okay, so you can relax. I'm not going to psych us up to, 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 you know, claim those things that, that we trust in God for. That's not what we're going to speak about today. But I, but I think it's an important thing that we speak about because a lot of us, I think, has been hurt by this. You know, sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit are used in a wrong way. You know, and we get, we get hurt through that in terms of we just don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, when it comes to miracles, mir- miracles is, is one of the fruit of the Spirit that God says that we will flow in. You know, and sometimes people use these things in the wrong way and it, it's kind of it hurts us, you know, so we just kind of try and avoid it, you know, when, when, when a sermon or when a church goes in the direction of, of moving in, in the gifts of the Spirit, we kind of just stand back and say, you know, this is not for me. And that's exactly why we need to talk about that today. Or maybe you've been trusting God for something. You know, I've went through through experience where I really trusted God um, to heal my dad when he was sick. And, and it didn't work out the way that I planned for it or thought in my head that I'm trusting God for, you know, it didn't work out that way. Maybe you're sitting with a wound like that today saying, listen, you trusted God for a miracle, you trusted God for a healing and it didn't happen. Okay, and I think 
many times, like, I'm an engineer, you know, I've, I like to explain things mathematically, you know, so beam the first, I'm the slab draw, and, you know, the forces, everything, it works out. So as soon as those laws are broken, it's kind of, you first time, you know, you're just at a place where you don't understand. So that, that's also maybe a place where we are at, where we say that, listen, this supernatural stuff is just not, you know, it's not for me. Okay. So I want to tell you a story that I heard, and that basically triggered <laughs> the reason that I'm standing here today speaking about this. Um, this it was this lady that, that, that told the story about, um, she's a medical doctor, and she told the story about a person that got an injury, and, you know, she's, she said that, you know, she has seen injuries and people getting healed and that it was really like God's hand in that. But she said that, you know, if, if somebody gets healed and, you know, they go, go through treatment, this spe- specific person that she was speaking about, it just was a normal procedure, you know, normal treatment that happened. And at, at, at the end of the day, the person got healed. But then what the person did was, you know, they testified of God's hand in, hand in that miracle and they said that oh this is such a miracle from God and that it's so amazing that you know they got healed and it's just God's miracle that made that happen and then this lady telling the story said that listen don't tell me something is a miracle if it's not a miracle that was kind of an attitude and I to be honest with you today <laughs> that made me thinking because I I strongly actually agreed with her I said that listen yeah people don't blow up something that's not a miracle you know, don't say something is a miracle if it is not. You know, that was kind of my attitude. Being an engineer, you know, I like, you know, if as dinge werk, you gaan a doctor to a sort of and that's it, you know. Don't make that a supernatural thing or testify about that. The place where we get it wrong is that we put so much focus, and that's, we're going to go into depth today of, about miracles and, and the purpose of miracles and what, how we should handle these things when it happens. But the, I think the big mistake that we make is focusing on that event and focusing on that, um, I almost say, circum- change of circumstance rather than testifying of God's goodness. You know, the reason why we testify, the reason why we share these stories is not to, to, to put emphasis on the change of circumstance or the, the, the miracle. It's never about that. Miracles are never to attract attention to itself. It's always so that we can proclaim God's goodness, so that we can testify of God's goodness. Okay, so, yeah. Today we're just going to look at the bigger picture, just where, what does the Bible say about miracles? Where does it fit in and where, how do we, as church, handle these situations? How do we um, actually flow in the miracles, uh, in, in God's miracles, and what should, it, what should the outcome of that be? And I want to put emphasis on it. Today's sermon is the God of miracles, not the miracles of God. We're not going to focus on the miracles of God today. We're going to focus on the God of miracles. Amen. So, I just want to kind of put a biblical perspective on miracles and what the Bible says about miracles. Okay. And what is miracles actually according to the Bible? And I want to start with this verse. Uh, Peter, I think it's for a bit of um, The first verse I want to read is John 14, verse 12. Okay. This is um, Jesus speaking to his disciples. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, 
The works that I do, he will also do. He will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay. Who likes this scripture? <laughs> I think we, we've all heard this scripture. And we love, love just the thought of you know, us doing greater things than Jesus. And we look at Jesus' life and we think, yo, we can do greater things than that. Now, the one thing we must be very careful about is that we don't misinterpret what Jesus is saying here. Okay? Um, I just listen to a lot of things and I, I really want to encourage you. Whenever anyone preaches, <laughs> if it's someone that's not, not a regular preacher or if it's even a guy that's been preaching for 20 years, take God's word and make it your own. Okay? Don't take what I'm saying here and kind of saying, yeah, I glow it so and and that and that and that and extemisomnity. No, I'm not saying that what we are preaching from this pulpit is set in stone. Always remember that. It doesn't matter how long someone is preaching. The Holy Spirit is the one that needs to reveal Scripture to you. Okay. So I just want to say that before I start, um, before I carry on. Okay. So the one thing we must be very careful about is to misinterpret the Scripture. Um, the works that Jesus is speaking about here, we must kind of go and define what Jesus is saying with these works. Okay? And I think what most of us do is we say the works of Jesus, then we think of all the miracles that he did. Walking on water, making water into wine, raising, raising the dead. We think of all these things as the works of Jesus Christ. And, and we, we kind of interpret the scripture that we, we must see these things in our life. We must see these miracles in our life because this is what scripture, Jesus said it. Jesus said it, you know. If you believe in me, you will do greater things than I. And we immediately focus on the miracles that Jesus did. <laughs> okay? But I, but, but I want our attention to be drawn to something greater than miracles that Jesus was, was actually also referring to in the scripture. If we look at what Paul said to the Corinthians, he, he, when he was speaking about um, the gifts of the Spirit, he was asking the question, will everybody prophesy? Does everybody prophesy? Does everybody speak in tongues? Does everybody do miracles? Okay, this is kind of a rhetorical question that he asked, but the answer on all of these questions was no. Not everybody speaks in tongues. Not everybody does miracles. Not each and every person does each and every gift of the Spirit. You know? That is why how we can have unity. We need one another, you know? Johannes all a word bring. Someone else must come and interpret it. That's how we depend on one another. Okay, so, so, so if we look at what Jesus is saying and saying that if you believe in me, that's everyone basically that believes in him will do greater things than him, then it's actually contradicting in scripture. You know, because Paul said to the Corinthians, not everybody will do miracles. Okay. So we have to go and, you know, stuff like this used to like bother me and I just tried, always tried to avoid these like, kind of contradicting things. And, but, but, but these days I just love going into it. I just love like studying the word and just finding out, God, who come, who come? So that's what I want to kind of do with this. It's just let's reason and just find out what Jesus is saying here. Okay. So if we look at the, the list of miracles that Jesus did, you know, it's, we don't see that on earth today. You know, it's, Jesus like kind of fully flowed in the Holy Spirit. Um, 
And then there's one thing that he mentions that we kind of not, don't focus on in the scripture. And that, that's what he says is that, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Okay, when Jesus completed his work on the cross and he was risen from, from the dead, he, he told his disciples that, listen, the power of the Holy Spirit will come unto you and you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so I think the focus must more be on the fact that the greater work that Jesus is speaking about here is salvations, souls being saved. You see, when the Holy Spirit came onto the, the um, disciples at, at Pentecost, um, there were more people saved in one day that, than what, that was saved in Jesus' ministry. You know, Jesus' focus was on his disciples, and he had a group of people. And then he said that, listen, greater works than I, you will do. He was, he was referring definitely to, to um, what was included in that, was definitely the saving of souls, the witnessing, the, the, the magnitude of people being saved. And I really want to just kind of change, just bring this mind shift in saying that if we see miracles greater than souls being saved, we must take a step back and say, listen, what are we doing? You know, we kind of jump up and down when we see a miracle. We kind of jump up and down when, um, when something supernatural happens or when um, you, know, you see someone being delivered from a demon or something, then we jump up and down. Those things are not greater than a soul being saved forever. Amen? A change of circumstance is temporary. If someone is saved, if someone gets to know Jesus Christ, that's forever. That's the great work that we need to focus on. And when we speak about miracles, when we um, start flowing in the Spirit, that is always the aim. That's always the aim. It's never the gift that attracts attention to itself. It always points to Jesus. Amen. So, sure. Because that, this was really something that I like, fully believe. Like, why don't we see miracles in our life? You know? Why don't we see it? You know, Jesus says that we will do greater things than him. And that question is like kind of bugging us. Or it kind of bugged me. And this was just kind of, I, I actually listened to a teaching about this. And it just opened up for me. It was just amazing to, to just see that God was speaking about, about souls being saved. That is what needs to excite us. That is what must make us jump up and down and worship God. Is, is the fact that souls are being saved. Souls are being saved forever. Amen. So the first thing that I just want to touch on miracles is miracles is part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 12. He speaks about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the different gifts and the working of miracles is one of that. So the important thing, I have done a sermon on um, flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the, the important thing we need to remember about the gifts is that a gift is given. Okay? A gift is not something you need to work 10 years in the ministry before you can earn a gift. God gives you a gift. It is not something that we earn or something that, you know, we blow up, sometimes blow up miracles and blow up the gifts and, and, and we as humans say, look at other people flowing in the gifts and saying, yo, he weet, um, Jani kan demona et drijf en Sani kan um, geheima et le en he weet, we kind of elevate it. A gift is given. We, didn't, we don't, um, in this Suzette, I think, uh, sessions we're doing, she explained that we don't need to prove our spirituality. You don't need to prove to someone that you are spiritual. 
That's not the, that's not the point of the gifts. The gifts are not um, things that we need to possess and say that, listen, yeah, I can flow in this and I can do four of the nine gifts of the Spirit. That's not what the gifts of the Spirit is. Reinhard Bonke explains it beautifully. He says that the gifts of the Spirit is tools for the job. And God will give it to each and every person as needs be. Now, if God wants to flow in, in healing today, he, will, he can give the person with the gift of healing that gift to use today. It's not to say that I've got the gift of healing and come to me for healing. <laughs> then you're attracting people to yourself. That's not what the gifts are intended for. God gives the gifts as they are needed. Amen. Do we, do we agree on that? So, working of miracles is a gift. It's not something that attracts attention to itself. Okay. It's something that God gives us. We don't need to work for it. We don't have to um, be 20 years in the ministry before we can flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and before we can see miracles in our life and miracles flow from a place where we honor God. Okay. The second thing I just want to mention is that miracles is secondary to the gospel, always. Okay? It's not something that comes before the gospel. It always reinforces the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came to earth, he took the price, he paid the price for us. You know, not one of us sitting here today can say that, that we are innocent. <laughs> All of us are guilty and, and deserving of, of punishment. Jesus came from heaven to take that for us. That is the focus point. It's never a miracle. Miracles are secondary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I think so, we are in an era that, you know, <laughs> entertainment is such a big thing. You know, we love to see things and be entertained by things. And we're going to speak about that a little bit later as well. And um, just an example out of scripture was, I don't think it's up there, but it, it, it's this example where um, Jesus healed the, the, the leper and he said that go to the, to the high priest and go show yourself that you are clean. And what basically happened was that because of the excitement of change of circumstance in this person's life, he, he actually went and spoke to everybody in the city. And the result of that was that everybody then came to Jesus. So Jesus couldn't actually minister in that town. He had to go far away from the town because there was just too many people coming to him. So, um, but the point I, point I want to make is that we shouldn't get so excited when, when, when God does something in our lives that it takes our focus off Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what happened with this person. He was cleansed and he, just, he was so excited about his change in circumstance that he forgot to be obedient to what Jesus told him and said, that, listen, go to the high priest. Don't tell anybody about this. Go to the high priest and go tell them. Because, because those were the people that knew the scriptures, that knew that the Messiah was going to fulfill these things. That was the reason why Jesus sent him to the high priest. So that the high priest could know that, listen, this is, the, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ that our scriptures are speaking about. And it backfired completely because of that disobedience, that, 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 that excitement that he had about this change in circumstance. Okay. Another reason why we need to always remember that, that miracles are secondary to the gospel is that the word speaks about miracles done um, by, by, by Satan also. So there, are, there is a place where um, supernatural things can happen by the power of, of, actually by the power of darkness. Okay, so that is, that, that just tells me that, listen, as you want wonderwerk do, don't just go follow that with all of your heart. Look at the fruit 
of that thing? Is it pointing to Jesus? Is it coming from a place of worship? Or is it just attracting attention onto itself? And, and, and what is the fruit of that miracle? Is it, an, is, it an, is it a big arrow showing to Jesus or is it just bringing division and bringing confusion? Okay. You can read. Um, I can read it for us. It's not on the board. Um, it's not on the board, but I can, I can just read this for you. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So that's just the scripture in 2 um, Thessalonians 2 verse 9. You can go and read it yourself. Um, and many people, many religions are built around this. You know, many people claim like um, when Buddha died, you know, there was a light that shined and stuff, you know. Sometimes, you know, these things happen. doesn't mean that we need to follow that thing with every, everything we have. Amen. Okay. The next, the next thing I just want to speak about. I want to I can use a script to skip, but I want to look if I can it. Okay, this is, this is awesome. Just in the light of, of what we are speaking about now, miracles being secondary to the gospel. As I said earlier, is that miracles are temporary. You know, if you get healed, it's temporary. All of us are going to die one day. You know, if you receive something, a change in circumstance in terms of your finances, that's temporary. You can't take any of that um, with you to heaven one day. But the love of God, which is the gospel, is forever. And I just want to read the scripture. It's so beautiful. 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there are knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Amen. What an awesome reason that we can just say that, listen, miracles should never be in front of the love of God. The love of God is the eternal thing that we need to put our focus on, that we need to pursue, not miracles. Amen. That brings, brings me to my next point is miracles follow worship. Okay? We heard in the, um, in the teachings of Suzette Harting that you know, we, we should not strive and pursue miracles, signs and miracles. You know, when we, when we get together or when we are in a place of worship. We shouldn't search that. We should worship and signs and miracles will follow worship. Amen. That is, that is basically, and I almost want to say that, you know, we need to wholeheartedly worship God without expecting a miracle to happen. You know, God is sovereign. He does the things he does because he's God. You know, we cannot force God into a place and, and kind of put God in a box and say, listen, if we do this and that and that, then the miracle will happen. <laughs> in our minds, we see a miracle in a certain way. When I prayed for my dad when he was sick, I saw his physical healing as the result of a miracle that needs to happen now. God is sovereign. He does what he does because he is God and he, know, he sees the bigger picture. <laughs> you know, we see a picture here. We see we need this now and we need God to come through in this area. God sees the bigger picture. He sees that a nation can be saved through something that happens now in a different way. We just want something to happen this way. God says, now I want to do it this way. I see the bigger picture. Amen. So, miracles follow worship. We need to worship God without any agenda to receive something from it. God is worthy to be praised. God is God. We need to fall on our knees and worship Him without worrying about if God is going to give us a miracle or not. Amen.
So, now I just want to speak about um, the purpose of miracles. What, what is the result of miracles and what do we see in the Bible? What happened when miracles happened? And um, yeah, kind of what was the right attitude and what was the wrong attitude? So I just want to start at, you know, the wrong intentions, why people looked for miracles. And I think we must look at our own hearts today when we sit here. Why do we, why do we want to see these things? Okay, the first thing that I want to speak about is um, confirmation of the truth. We see in the word that, you know, um, that, that men of God actually ask God for a sign so that they can know that, you know, what they need to do is the right thing or, you know, what God is saying is actually true. Okay, so that's not necessarily wrong to have that. But if God has spoken to you, I want to tell you today that don't ask God for another sign and another sign and another sign. If you know you need to do something, do it. Don't ask for that confirmation over and over and over again and just sitting at your place in your comfort zone. If you know you need to step out of that comfort zone, don't delay it by seeking more and more confirmation. If God has given you confirmation, go with it. But seeking confirmation for the truth is not, not in itself wrong. That is a, I think that's a humanly thing that we want to say, God, moet ek nou in waarvis baie you know, where do you want me, you know? Or, um, whatever the thing might be that you want to go through, you can ask for confirmation on that. Okay? And it doesn't always have to be a miracle. <laughs> you know, sometimes God counsel, the people around you can also help you. You know, God says in His Word that there's, there's safety in the counsel of many. You know? Surround yourself with godly people when you need, need to make life decisions. Ask, ask around, and, but, but most importantly, ask God for the confirmation and then you'll know where you need to go. But if God has spoken to you, don't carry on asking God. Do what you need to do. And we see this in the life of Moses, Gideon. They all asked God, and God showed them signs and miracles so that they could confirm where they need to go to. And then we see it done the wrong way by the Pharisees, just, you know, <laughs> continuously just asking God for signs. And this brings me to the next point. Is it, it, people seek for, for signs and miracles from Jesus specifically to justify their unbelief. Okay, so they said that, Jesus must show me now another miracle or another supernatural thing that he does before I can say I believe in him. And Jesus actually rebuked that. When the Pharisees came to him seeking for signs, he said that I won't give you another sign except the sign of, of Jonah. And Jonah was most three days and that's the, basically the miracle that Jesus showed on the cross when he died and after three days rose again. That was the only sign he gave them. But he didn't, he didn't entertain any seeking of just sensation. And that actually justified the Pharisees' unbelief. They said, oh, Jesus can't do it. So I'm not going to believe in him. Check our own hearts today, people, as we're sitting here today. And then there was just plain entertainment. <laughs> people seek miracles for entertainment. And the example out of Scripture was is, is King Herod, um, when Jesus was captured and taken to him, he was kind of excited, you know, this Jesus guy that, you know, it's making such a, you know, in today's terms, Jesus was viral then, you know, he went viral. Okay, so, so this, this king was excited to see Jesus, to meet Jesus, and the scripture says that he hoped that Jesus could do a miracle. You know, he was just kind of in it for the, for the, for the entertainment of it. Okay. And that is true, you know, the supernatural intrigues people, you know, and we, we kind of follow these things, and that's not 
one of the reasons we should not seek after miracles. And then the, the, the last thing that I just want to mention is that um, when Jesus rebuked the people that followed him, when they, after he fed the people, the 5,000 people with the bread, and it was basically, he said that, listen, you are not even following me because of the miracles that I do. You just want things. You're just following me because I filled your stomach. Are we following God today just for what we can get out of our relationship with God? Are we just worried about, you know, that God must bless us, bless our, bless our job, bless our house, bless our family, keep us safe, what we can get from our relationship with God? Or are we following God because we want to know Him, because we know what He did for us on the cross and who He is? People rebu- um, Jesus rebuked these people that, that, that only followed Him for what they could get from Him. You know, we're just kind of walking behind Jesus and saying, here, here for me. You know, look at our prayer life. How much of that is worship and how much of it is just, we need to worship God. Signs and miracles will follow. Amen. Now we're going to look at the actual purpose of miracles. The first thing, okay, it's all I'm happy. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> Okay, the first, the, f- the first thing that I would just want to speak about, the actual purposes of miracles. The first thing is, it was a sign for unbelievers. Okay, a sign for unbelievers. Not for believers. It's not for us to play around with miracles and God's not going to sh- just do miracles every time we ask Him. It was a sign for unbelievers so that they could say that, hey, listen, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> what is this? I'm, I, I think I need to stand closer and just go listen to what this person is saying. Or... Yo, you know, it's a sign for unbelievers. Okay, it's people that don't know God, that, that, that don't care about God, and then all of a sudden just have the sign that, sure, let's stand close and hear what, what's going on here. And that's so important why we need to change our mindsets regarding testifying of miracles and, you know, focusing so much on, yeah, this is a miracle. The story that I told in the beginning um, when I start out about the guy just testifying um, of the miracle that happened in his life, and we as believers sometimes go into a place of, um, and we kind of argue amongst each other. But if we don't speak up about God's goodness, how will those people that are standing closer ever hear the gospel? We can use any opportunity, big or small, to testify of God's goodness. Not to focus on the thing that happened or, you know, the, the healing that necessarily happened. To put the focus on Jesus. To put the focus on what he did for us on the cross. And the fact that, you know, no other person, no other God, no other being paid the price but Jesus. And through him we have life. Amen. It's a sign for unbelievers. When the unbelievers come closer, we shouldn't argue about the things. Testify about God's goodness. The second thing that I just want to point out here is that um, we as believers should not need a sign. Okay? (laughs) Um, And this is just from John 20 verse 29. Jesus said to him, okay, this is after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Um, Thomas said, Thomas was one of the disciples. He said that, listen, I won't believe that, that, that this happened. You know, he just didn't want to believe it. You know, he was so 
after Jesus was killed, it was such a big thing for him that he just couldn't believe that Jesus is alive again. And then, um, then Jesus basically came and said that, um, or, or Thomas said that he wants to put his fingers in the holes of Jesus' hands and in his, in his um, body before he will believe, okay? And then Jesus actually allowed him to do that and to say, listen, um, and this is where the scripture comes in. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. So we as believers don't need miracles to believe in, in, in Jesus. It's more blessed to just submit yourself to God, to say, God, you are God. I believe in you. I want to follow you without 10 confirmations and signs and miracles that follow and healings and all of these things. God is sovereign. God is to be worshipped. God is to be followed. Amen. I think Amen. I think we, we sometimes um, see things happening the other way around and that's actually sometimes more encouraging than a miracle that happens. You know, we, we had a, um, a testimony in, in small group this week where someone just testified uh, about a, a couple that had a, had a baby in, in hospital that hospital that was, I think, born early. And they really trusted um, and, and worshipped God and just trusted and prayed. And they were just like evident about how they trusted God for a miracle that this, kid, that, that this little baby can live. And then... Um, the baby didn't, didn't live. The baby passed away. And just the way that these, this couple carried on praising God and carried on praying and carried on worshiping God was actually a bigger encouragement than any miracle would ever be. You know, the fact that you can have joy in circumstances like that is a miracle in itself. And that's what Jesus gives us. That's what, what God gives us. He gives us the ability to rejoice and to be glad in Him when circumstances don't go away. And that in itself is, a, is when people see that, when the world sees that, they marvel. And they say, listen, this is, God must exist. So the miracles that we sometimes think needs to happen, God is sovereign. He knows what He is doing. Trust Him. Don't run from God when things don't turn out your way. Don't turn your back on God and ask, why God? How often do we ask that? You get? And it's klein, klein goeikies wat het betekker trigger. No stamp ek by mekaar. No, you get, whatever it might be. You know? Sometimes we, we get to that place where we just like, get fed up. I want to encourage us, church. Don't let circumstances turn our back on God and ask why the whole time. Amen. And then just another important thing that we, we as a church must, must realize is when we pray for a miracle or when we do something, we don't have to make excuses for God when things don't happen. I think many times we fall into a place of saying, and we try and make excuses for God. God knows what He's doing. <laughs> Amen? God knows what He's doing. And God loves humble hearts. and you, you, God loves humility. God doesn't love pride. You know, many times it's, it's, it's learning us, you know, when we're praying for someone, it, it teaches us more than any, anything else. It's to get out of a place of saying, listen, hierdie ding moet nou werk, want hierdie ou moet nou gloe, and so and so. It's actually a prideful thing. God loves it to humble us in, in, in mysterious ways. We don't have to make excuses for God. We can be confident in the fact that God is God, 
And we can be confident when we pray for people for healing, when we pray for people for anything. We can be confident that God is the God who He says He is. We don't have to make excuses if things don't turn out the way that we supposedly said, okay, listen, that's, that's putting our own agenda in, in the place of who God is. Amen. We need to trust God because He is God. Miracles result in worship. Okay? And this is actually something that I think we sometimes struggle with because we see it in Scripture as well. But we said just now that miracles flow from worship and then when miracles happen, the response to that miracle should be worship. It should be praising God. Okay? That error that I spoke about. When a miracle happens, it should always point back to God. And I just want to take us to the Scripture where Jesus healed the, the ten lepers it was basically the same scenario. He healed the people and he said that go to the high priest and go show yourself. And as they were going, they got healed. Okay? And I can just imagine this, how it, how it played off. You know, these people that were sick, they couldn't go into the city because they were so sick. They were like kind of outskirts, thrown out. Going back and just seeing, yo, they, 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 they are healed. One of the ten turned back and started worshiping God. I think I've got the scripture on Luke 17 verse 12. Luke 17 verse... Bikki further on, denk ek. So, op. Okay. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and when a loud voice glori- and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at the feet, at his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said... Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the, are the nine? Were they not found... Um, uh, where, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Okay? So Jesus was just marveled and said that, listen, net een van die tien teruggekom. How often do we get so excited about something that we don't return the glory to God in, in worship? Amen. And then this is where I want to get to today. <laughs> Alles voor, it was not introduction, so I was in the seats. I'm ending off. Miracles result in salvation. Amen? That is what the whole thing that we're speaking about today is all about, is miracles result in salvation. That work that Jesus said that is greater than we will do greater things than him is we will reach a bigger scope of people on this earth in, a, in our lifetime. Amen? So, this, is, this so excites me. Okay, so we see many examples of where miracles resulted in salvation, where people started believing in Christ because of that. So, I just want to take us to, to um, this part of Scripture that we've, be, we've actually been, um, been on for a few weeks. Um, in John 4, verse 27, where Jesus was sitting with the lady at the well, and where they had this conversation. And I'm just going to go past that conversation where... Um, Jesus' disciples came back. They went, basically went into town. Jesus spoke to this lady. And then um, the disciples came back and, and he saw Jesus speaking to this Samaritan woman. And, you know, the Jews in that time couldn't really speak to the Samaritans. So they were kind of like uncomfortable. And, you know, but they basically went to get food and they came back to Jesus. Okay, and this is where it, where it carries on. Okay, so these people, these the Jesus' disciples is now standing around him speaking to him. And at this point, 
His disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Okay, that is now because he wasn't supposed to speak to her. And then the woman left her water pot and went away into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Okay, there's the testimony of that word of knowledge that Jesus spoke into her life. Okay, so just a bit of background on that. Jesus basically had this conversation with this lady and then he gave her a word of knowledge in her life. Something in her life that he didn't know. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he could, could speak that word of knowledge and through that, it immediately pointed to the Christ. You see, the Samaritans also believed that the, um, they knew that the, the Christ was supposed to come some other time. So this lady was so excited about Christ that this could be Christ. Not about the word of knowledge, okay? That was basically just a sign pointing to the Christ, okay? So she went and she testified about that. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, okay, so the men of the city now went out of the city and went to Jesus, okay? So they, they wanted to go and see who this person is that, that gave this woman this word of knowledge, okay? Um, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. To finish his work. <laughs> and then Jesus says this, Do you not see, there is still, do you not say, there is still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white with the harvest. I just had this beautiful um, explanation of the scripture that I read, previously read. Um, you know, as Jesus was speaking to his disciples there at the well, um, the, the scripture says that the Samaritan men started coming out and starting, standing around, basically coming to see who this Jesus is. Okay, and these Samaritan men, <laughs> you know, was, was coming to see Christ. They didn't come to see a miracle. They didn't come to see, they were knowing Christ was, was coming. And they just wanted to see, could this be the Christ? Okay? So they were also standing around this whole event happening here. And then Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Now the Samaritan men in that time wore white robe, like things, clothes and stuff. So he said, look, the harvest is already white for harvest. The harvest is already white to, to, to collect. I, I was just taken back to this event and just realized, yo, this is so awesome, you know. Um, he said that, listen, look up. <laughs> the harvest is ready. This is my food. This is the work. This is the great work that I came to do, my Father's will, for these people to be harvested, to come into the kingdom, for these people to see me for who I am, to see me as the Christ. That is the work that I want to do. Because, I, because Jesus knew that what he would do going forward. He knew that he would be the one that paid the price for each and every person in the face of this earth to know God. Amen. And let's carry on with the scripture. Let's see how the Samaritan men just reacted. And many of the Samaritans, skipping a few verses, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Okay? 
He told, um, he told me all that I ever did, okay? Dit is nou wat die, hulle sê my net basis, baie mense het gegloe oor die testimony. So when the Samaritans came, had come to him, they urged him to stay with, with them, and he stayed with them two days. So they basically invited him and said, listen, come into our lives, basically, come and stay with us, you know? And in, in those times, Jews and Samaritans, you know, they didn't really, Jesus went to them. Okay? And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Because what Jesus said. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. How powerful is that? How awesome is that? They were open to receive Jesus for who he was. Not for signs and miracles. Not for more words of knowledge. They wanted to know him for who he was. He came into their lives and he changed their lives forever. You see that these these signs and miracles is just like a catalyst basically for us to say that listen, let's stand... It's, it's like a catalyst for unbelievers. These Samaritan men, just, they just had to come closer and they said that, yo, this can be Christ. This can be that life of joy that, that I know I'm longing for. Thinking of unbelievers today, you know, every, every each and one of us is, are longing for that relationship with God. We were created that way. Yeah, Jesus goes and he, and, he, and he goes, when they invite him in, he goes to them and he reveals himself to them. We don't need to prove to the world that God exists. God will do that. We just need to point the arrow at Jesus. And if there's anything that we are still seeking in our own lives, any signs and miracles or anything that, um, you know, that, that we want to kind of prove that God exists or anything, maybe you are sitting here today, I want to urge you to take your focus off that and put it on Jesus. Invite Jesus into your life. He will change your life forever. He won't just change your circumstances. He will change your life forever. Amen. If you, if you ever, ever play, are at the place where you um, kind of argue about signs and miracles and, you know, um, I know when people kind of sometimes speak in tongues or pray for healing or things like that, then it's always a comfortable situation. Let your mindset about that and the arguments that you have about that go and invite Jesus into your life. He's going to change your life forever. The word says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. No one of us are perfect. You know, the way that we do things, the way that Shofar Wolfish Bay does things, I can't tell you that that's the right way or the wrong way. We know in part and we prophesy in part. These things will pass away. The fact that Jesus Christ lives and that he wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us is not going to fade away. That's not temporary. That's forever. Amen. And then what happens when we, when we invite Jesus in and we start following him is, is the miracle of God's grace in our lives. That is the miracle of miracles, is God's grace in our life. The fact that we can live a godly life. You know, what, what is God's grace? I, had a, um, I spoke about this earlier also, and I just want to give this definition of God's grace. It's operating in the ability above human ability because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. That's what grace is. Whether it's to be saved from your sins and to know that, you know, you don't have to earn salvation, that's God's grace. The ability to live free from that sin, to overcome it, that's God's grace. 
The fact that, you know, we can have joy in difficult times. You know, when, when, when that baby died and that, that, that couple could still worship God, that's, that's by God's grace. The way we love our enemies, that's by God's grace. That's a miracle. You know, we, we see so much evil happening in this world. The fact that, that God gives us the grace and the ability to love our enemies. That is, that, that, that when people, when the world sees that, they will turn to Jesus. They will say that, listen, yeah, this God that you serve must be real because this is just inhumane to be able to do this. It's unhumanly to be able to do this, to love your enemies. And that's a whole lot of God's grace, the miracle of God's grace. The thing about signs and miracles is everything will, you know, everything kind of fades away. But when it comes to God's grace and, and, and the lives that we live, that, that is something that, that does not fade. Um, so I just want to, I just want to kind of end off, um, and I'm going to pray for us afterwards. It's just uh, something that I, that I saw a few years ago, um, and it just takes this thing about miracles so beautifully together. It just brings everything so beautifully together. Um, it's basically a, a, a teaching that a pastor gives. Maybe you have heard it before, but this pastor, um, his name is Dwayne Miller. Um, this pastor basically was a was a pastor of a church, and they had a, he had a ministry and everything. And then basically, what happened was he he got sick, and he got a bit of it's say bores of it, and then basically this thing. Um, affected his voice so he completely lost his voice he, could, he couldn't speak you know and, and you know when you um, when you are a pastor in a church you know you should be able to kind of speak you know but, but his, his voice has just completely gone for and it just carried on for years it was I think two years or something that it carried on and then he just basically said that he can't be the pastor anymore and he left his ministry basically or he just gave it over his role in the ministry um, and then this teaching that he gives is basically he stood, and he stood in for someone at, a, um, at like a Bible study thing. They were working through the word and, 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 and this is basically what happened there. So um, you can just watch it with me and then we're going to end off after that. So when the psalmist writes and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does. But I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, 
to say that since we don't have anything after the book of Acts that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again is equally as wrong because you have put God in a box both ways and he doesn't want to be in the box so the psalmist says I'm excited bless the Lord oh my soul one of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases and in verse 4 he says and he redeems my life from the pit now I like that verse just a whole lot I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences we've both had we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit in a grave and we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in and I don't understand this right now I'm but overwhelmed at the moment I'm not quite sure what to say or do <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I <laughs> He redeems my life from the pit <laughs> and crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. <laughs> the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. The Lord will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's mercy. Or repay us according to our iniquities. That's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. How beautiful is that? <laughs> you know, and, and just this heart, you know. It's not about a miracle or about anything, you know. Just preaching that truth about, you know, God is God. He does the things he does because he is God. Let's pray together. Yes, Lord, I just want to thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for life and life in abundance, Lord. Thank you that you are a God of miracles, Lord. And God, thank you that 
that we can know, Lord, that we don't need to grow to a place where we can flow in these gifts or in these miracles, Lord. We need to grow to a place where we get excited about who you are, Lord. God, I pray that our excitement for you, our excitement for seeing people come to your kingdom, Lord, seeing people come to you, Lord. Heere, dat het soveel woord sal wees as enige, enige verandering in ons omstandighede, Heere. Lord, that we won't put our focus so much on our circumstances, so much on, our, on the fact that we don't have what we need, Lord. The fact that we, um, we have all this long list of things when we come to you, God. God, I pray that we'll take our, our eyes off that list, Lord, and put it on you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are the God of miracles, Lord, that we can trust you for miracles. We don't have to be afraid of that, Lord, but that we know that you do what you do, Lord. That our trusting won't be in a place of fear that it won't happen, Lord. That our trusting will be in a place of rejoicing because the King of Kings is alive and he lives in my life. I want each and every one of us just to, just to think about our own lives and I just want to ask if you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, if you've come to a place where you, where you, you maybe followed him in the past, but you don't follow him anymore, I just want to ask you to, to invite Jesus in like the Samaritans. Invite him into your life today. Ask him to come and he will change your life. Invite Jesus into your life. He will come. Yes, Jesus, we just want to, as a church, Lord, just say, God, come come into our lives, Lord. We've seen the scriptures, Lord. We've seen the, all the things that you've done, Lord. We've seen all the Old Testament scriptures being fulfilled in who you are, Jesus Christ. We know that you are the Christ, Lord. Come and stay with us, Lord. Come and teach us who you are, Lord. We invite, invite you into our lives, Lord. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.